everybody. This is Stephanie Hansen, and you are listening to the Makers of Minnesota podcast, where we talk to cool people doing cool things. We are in season three, and it has been a very interesting season. A lot of COVID talk and a lot of pivoting and how people are going to be moving forward. Um, One of the things that a lot of you have mentioned along the way is how much social media has been more important now than ever in terms of reaching customers. And if you need any help with that, I do have three different packages that I offer. So you can reach out to me. Um, The first package is very inexpensive. And we can also go up to a little bit more. And we can add PR. And there's all different kinds of levels. So if that's something you're interested in, let me know. Thanks to those of you that have reached out. Today, I'm here with Carly Veldheisen. And she is with Girl Friday Creative. And Carly, I think the first time I was somewhere where I saw your work was at a D'Amico and Sons event. And I was standing in the doorway of this event and I looked across the room and I saw the most beautiful wall of paper cutout flowers. And I was just like stunned that someone could do this kind of work as an installation for events. And soon it followed up with, um, I saw you at Potluck where you guys had done the wooden spoons. I've seen some balloon installations that you've done. Welcome to the program. I'm so excited to talk to you. What you do is so fun. Oh, thank you. It's really an honor to be here. I'm a big fan of the show. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, How did you decide that this could be a career for you? (laughs) Uh, You know, I wish that I had a great story for it, but in truth, it really is very organic in how it's kind of grown. So I started about 10 years ago as a photo stylist and, and that just kind of snowballed into what Girl Friday is today. And so I would say Girl Friday, as it stands right now, creating art installations for events, experiential designs, store displays. Um, We've been in this space for a good five years now. And the growth has been organic. It's it's really finding out what people are drawn to, um, what resonates, what helps people. Uh, We're really excited to grow brands and help them really tell their story. Um, And so it's, it's been a lot of throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. Uh, and what people are just really pumped about. Have you, like, did you start kind of in the, I hate to say wedding business, but was that sort of the start and now it's become more in the brand side and the retail side? I think that's where I thought it would go originally. And we certainly are in the wedding space um, somewhat. We probably do maybe 30 weddings a year. So it's it's not not a ton. We'd love to do more. We've never really reached out to wedding planners and I, I hope that we'll have the chance to do that at some point. Cause I think, you know, the whole idea is really just like, tell us who you are. Let us speak volumes for you without you having to say a word, have people walk into the space and, and just have a wow moment. And, and how, how cool would that be for a wedding? I mean, that that's, of course that's a wedding. It would be amazing. And I remember you talk about that wow moment. I remember seeing this installation with the paper flowers and having that wow moment and just, you know, like, Oh, it was so, I went and looked at them and it was like the flower designs were pretty simply made, just cut out of paper, but the way they were arranged and 
it was just, it was so spectacular. And I was just like, people are so clever. How do you think up of these ideas? Wow. Well, first of all, thank you. That's really kind. And I would say a lot of it is, you know, it's, it's almost kindergarten projects until it turns to art. You know, there's that real fine line and all of a sudden you get over it and you're going, okay, because it is, it's a lot of, it's very simple. We come up with our ideas. I come up with our ideas just based on who the client is. And we want to sit down and talk to them about how they want their guests to feel. What's the uh, message that they want them to take away. And materials and techniques and, and the art installation kind of just finds us very quickly that way. Cause you just, you know who your client is and you know what they're trying to do. And it's like, Oh my gosh, there is a ping pong ball that comes in your exact color and it m- mimics the sphere in your logo. And you know, it's like, this is meant to be. <laughs> yeah. So if we were just going to do like a real live example of that, mm-hmm. can you like the potluck wooden spoons might be a good example. Can you tell me like what that initial talk felt like? Yeah, well, Sarah uh, is the marketing director at Rosedale, and she is just kick-ass. She is the coolest girl. And her mind, oh my gosh, she's a visionary. So she's kind of slightly a different client in the fact that she comes to us and says, okay, here are a few ideas that I have. So like the pot holder that's behind the escalators there. Yep. That was her idea. She just said, I'd love you to make a huge pot holder with this saying exactly. And so it was like, yeah, absolutely. And then she said, these are the other spaces I have. What do you want to do? And so we just started thinking about materials. And there's certain places that like malls, airports, hospitals, that there's a whole slew of rules that go along with it. And so that can limit or focus the materials that you're going to work with. And so we knew that we needed something that could be dipped in a fire retardant. And so it was like, okay, wood would really work nicely for that. Now, how do we get some color into it? Because this place needs some color. And so it just kind of led us down that road. And that was a really funky little space that they had there. And so it's like, how do we make this pop and feel um, useful? And it would be photographed, but also people can walk under it, eat it. And if someone comes and tugs on it or tries to hang from it, it's not going to go anywhere. And we definitely learned a lot of lessons down the road on what... <laughs> what will stay up, um, what is easily cleanable, uh, you know, especially in light of COVID now, we're, we're thinking in a totally different way. So it all kind of snowballs, all that information comes together to create an install. So when you put a quote together for someone, let's just say, mm-hmm. like, how do you know, I, I guess you've had experience and that's how you know, like how much time you're going to need and how long the installation is going to take. And you're creating a lot of these materials on the fly. How do you go about putting an estimate together? So the first thing I do is after we talk and I feel like I have all the information that I could possibly need. And maybe I'm calling like the, um, like in case of a mall, the fire marshal and I'm talking to them. I have all that. Um, I come back to the computer and I just start drawing. I'll take a picture typically of their space and draw over top of it and just Figure out, okay, I think the measurements of this are going to be uh, 20 feet by 80 feet. Now let's break that up into little quadrants. How many spoons is that going to be? And how am I going to put those spoons up there in a way that you won't see any of the hardware and it'll feel magical. But at the same time, if I have a 14-year-old kid, which happens so much at malls, um, come and try to like parkour, hang off, whatever, (laughs) then it's going to stay up. So then it's figuring out that hardware And there's a lot of testing that goes into this. You know, it's, yes, there's experience and we figured a lot out, but also we do not want to 
repeat ourselves. We really want things to be very specific to our client. So it's trial and error. And that happens in our shop. We probably should start sharing some of that on Instagram because it's very, it's fun. It's sometimes we look like complete idiots. You know, it's like, oh, that should have worked. And we have no idea why it didn't. But it's just testing and then trying to do that in the quickest possible way. So our client doesn't have to wait for us to, you know, come up with this. People want things quickly. And so it's how do you create art, something super special that's just all about them pretty quickly. And it's also engineering, you know, because you have to figure out, it's so cool. I'm so impressed by what you guys do. And I think art is so personal. And yet you are creating these things that are put in spaces that everyone's having a different experience with them. Yes. I love that. And that's just so neat. Talk about, so you were a photo stylist. So Tell me about like your first job where you were doing an installation. And is there a name for these installations? What do we, what am I supposed to call them? (laughs) You know, we get that a lot. (laughs) People ask, and I typically will say this one's name is Kevin or something like that. So there are installations this is a weird space where there isn't like nothing is totally named. You know, it's the Instagrammable world. uh, It's a lot of made up words. Did you know right away, like when you got into this world or social media, tell me about like your first project and how you were just like, Oh, this is a thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I was styling photos and one of the, uh, bridal, uh, shop owners came to me and said, Hey, would you help me with my space? And I thought, sure, I can do that. Um, and so we put together a plan and it was like, let's just revamp the whole place. Let's really focus in on your brand and what that means, how you want your clients to feel when they walk through the door. And that kind of was an aha moment. And it was fun to do the interior design. And I am by no means an interior designer, but we figured that out, like what was going to look good and how people walk through the space. And then we started popping in different art installations to it because it was like, you know what? I can't find anything that I love that really speaks to your brand. But uh, this was Flutter Bridal Boutique. And so at the time she had rebranded and I thought, let's go with feathers. Let's make you just a ton of pieces uh, made out of feathers. And so we did, we put, I think about six individual art installations in there, mostly made out of feathers. And I thought, this is cool. This was really fun. It was the aha moment when she came back to me and she said, okay, so in the past I have people walk in and every day someone asks for a discount. And after we've done this renovation, I'm not getting asked for discounts anymore. And we are booking off of word of mouth because of the experience. And so it was like, she was already doing, she had beautiful dresses. She chose from all over the world. She was very smart about it. Her client, like customer service was incredible. It was just that final piece of like, how do we make this a a full package moment? It was interesting to hear that people weren't asking for discounts because it really was a full experience. And I think that they felt like it was worth it. Yeah. And yeah. something so subtle like that. Yeah. It'd be the same as I guess, like how you feel when you walk into a fast casual restaurant versus when you walk into PS steak, you know? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was our aha moment. And uh, it kind of snowballed from there. It was less and less photo styling and more prop creation or windows or what have you. And it just, it's become this. And I really honestly don't know how that happened. It was super organic. So how many employees do you have now? Well, COVID has changed everything. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. So before COVID, pre-COVID, 
we would have about 10 to 15 people in our shop per day. And now we are, <laughs> it's, it's me most days. And um, when we are busier, like we'll have a few girls come in. So it's, it's maybe four to six. We really are about 5% capacity from what wow. we have in the past. So it's really, it's really taken us to our knees and we're going to be okay, but it's, it's a tough road. And a lot of our vendor friends, you know, in this industry are just suffering. We're seeing closure. All the industries that you touch. So retail malls, that's yeah. people aren't doing that right now in droves. Yeah. Weddings, those are small corporate and brand installations and events and all those things that we're not doing right now. So do you have to pivot and like figure out to do experiences in people's homes or tell me what that's looking like? Yeah, we have, we've taken the opportunity to experiment a little bit at first when it was in like, Oh gosh, when was, was it March? March Oh wow. Yeah. They, they were telling us that it was coming, the closure was coming. And so we're just kind of holding on and I'm making sure the girls, all of our people are working as much as possible, knowing that they probably aren't going to be able to come in because we didn't know what the rules would be. And so then it was like, oh my gosh, how do we serve the people that are throwing birthdays, uh, you know, any sort of special moment. And typically that's maybe not our client, but we thought we're going to put some stuff together. So we put together a video on how to make a balloon garland. And at the time, it was really difficult to get um, anything from stores, and we knew stores were going to be closing. So we just bought tons and tons of balloons and made kits. So people were able to order a kit and make that at home. And that kind of has evolved into a small offering of balloons that people can come pick up now. And now this week, we did a photo shoot. We're going to offer small collections of more. It's like a, it's a Girl Friday like if you think of Girl Friday's couture, which this is so not on brand for me, this would be ready to wear. So it's stuff that's ready to go in little packs like kits where if you want a backdrop um, with a uh, garland and an LED neon sign, we've got all of that package for you. You just choose the color. And so we're going to offer that and see how that works for us over the winter because boy, it looks like we're in this for the long haul and we want to help people celebrate at home. I love that idea. And I would have never thought of that. And it's super smart, like to pivot to kits and things that people can do. You assemble them, I'm assuming in your shop there and put them together. Is there still demand for things like holiday? Or I mean, I'm just I'm trying to think of without having events in that big way, we're still trying to celebrate, which is what you're getting at, but it's in a smaller way. So the affordability, like rather than you doing a $2,000 project, you're doing, you know, $120 projects or whatever that would be. Yeah, exactly. I hope that there will be, well, I mean, if there isn't need, there isn't need. And we don't want to be in that space, of course. But if there is, then that will be awesome. And we'll be there with Girl Friday to go, which is what we're calling that subset. But we've actually been very shocked that November has picked up here. So we have, we're actually full now for November. With holiday stuff um, for corporations, we have a big public art installation that's going to happen in Edina. We actually are going to fly out to Connecticut in New York uh, for an existing client that we have, which is 
horribly scary, <laughs> but you know, in order to keep the company afloat, we would like to continue to serve the clients that we really love. And so we're finding out, um, my dad actually, he retired from infection control. And so he is helping us figure out like, how is, how do we do this in a smart way? Yep. We're going to work with uh, some local uh, stores that are opening. So that's it's such a bright spot that people are opening too. And then, yeah, there should be some other little holiday things, but all those things popped up and it was really a shocker for us. We're really thrilled with it, but it is, it's zero to 100 really quick here. (laughs) And then potentially back to not because January, February. Yeah. Yeah. So are most of the workers that work with you hourly or contract, or are you able to pull them in on projects and then? We have both. So we have a core group, which is really our leadership team. And they're uh, mostly, well, in the past, they've been full-time. And so, yeah, we try to pull them in, but I'm trying to be very careful with scheduling. You know, like we've furloughed people and I don't want to screw up their unemployment when, you know, I might need them for a day or two here or there. So I have to be very careful with that to, you know, make sure that everybody can do well, survive. It's interesting to hear you talk about that because we've been seeing some articles recently about some of the restaurants and, Mm. you know, first it was a furlough, then it became a layoff, then it was can't bring you back. And there's a lot of feelings from the employees about that because they were very loyal. They hung on, then they finally got let go. And it's like a lose-lose situation for everybody. As an employer of a small group, you must be very attached to your people and you must take that really to heart that this is their lives on the line and their jobs. Yeah. A thousand percent. This is family and it's heartbreaking and we've, we've lost a lot of sleep over it. It's been really difficult. We're able to, we're an all cash business. We don't have any loans um, and we were able to pull from savings. So actually when we found out that we were able to kind of sort of stay open in a certain way, we stayed open until June with me being able to sustain everybody where they were on payroll. Um, so yeah. And then the moment that we decided that, okay, you know, unemployment is, is good offering and we can't sustain this on savings any longer. Now would be a good time for us just to stop. And, and that was shocking because it's like, okay, all work needs to kind of stop. We can't work forward. I was trying to have everybody work on stuff for 2021 or, or all the projects that fall by the wayside. When you're a small business, it's like you have a list of, well, maybe every business of shoulda, coulda, wouldas, and here's what we really needed to do to be legit or, you know, yep. more polished. So, so you were working on all those projects and then decided for the health and safety of the business to stay open at all. Yeah. You, so then you furloughed in June. Mm-hmm. And tell me, I mean, you kind of alluded to how heartbreaking it was, but like, do you, what did that day like literally feel like after spending your savings, you know, trying to be positive and just keep going? Yeah, it's, it's, it's so incredibly difficult, you know, cause you, you don't know what's coming. And I, you know, I, I'm not a visionary in that way. I saw so many people pivot so quickly and figure this out. And I just was standing there with my hands open, just like, I don't. I really don't know what to do. Yeah, it's it's very difficult. And you think a lot about the ethics of things and what's appropriate. And, and you know, thinking about what's appropriate when you think about people as family, too. It's a weird uh, juxtaposition to, you know, <laughs> want to speak correctly in a very business way, but also just knowing that everyone is just scared to death. Yeah. 
I think too, just to give you some props, I think that's where the real leadership comes in, mm-hmm. you know, to make these decisions to lay off large numbers of employees with the hope, and I know this is the hope of the entrepreneur, is to invite those employees back when they can or yeah. keep the business solvent so that they'll be able to employ that next generation of workers. It, it's it's not a very worker-friendly thing because the workers are the ones that get the shaft, but yeah. I also know employer upon employer, entrepreneur upon entrepreneur. I mean, it's not like you guys are General Mills. These are small businesses and everybody is trying to do the right thing. And sometimes the right thing is not good for everybody. You know, it's just, it's got to make hard choices. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think looking back on it, I mean, there's a million things that we would have done differently. It's 2020, you know, I'd say it's 2020, I should say. Like what? Well, we should have been, I was too busy, like just kind of keeping my eyes open, looking around like, okay, what does this mean? And I should have maybe had a conversation with all of our gig workers, the um, independent contractors and just said, Hey, I just need you to know where we are so you can make decisions faster. I was just really hoping that we would be able to recoup real fast and like just save the day for everybody. And, and I should have said that earlier. Um, it's so funny still, you mentioned that. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that in particular because in this article I was just referring to about the restaurant workers, the the way that it really came down at the end of the day was communication. Did they the employer communicate often enough? Was the communication full of integrity? And I don't know. Some people did okay, and some people didn't. But it wasn't because they didn't want to. It's just a yeah. really hard situation. So one of the things you touched on, because I'm in the event business too, um, one of the, I have like five jobs. And one of the jobs I do is I produce the culinary market for the Stone Arch Festival and for Art and Bayfront Park and Seavers Fall Festival. So yeah, we, none of our festivals happened. Seavers happened in a smaller capacity, but none of the festivals happened. And now like normally we'd be planning for 2021 and getting ready to put our packages out and I'm not getting that really like good lucky feeling that next summer everything's going to open up again. What are you feeling like? Are you feeling as measured as I am? I think realistically, I would agree that that's, we need to be really, yeah, uh, we need to hold back on maybe making some plans here. Um, However, like uh, yesterday I got my hair cut at Cocoon by Mariah, the owner. And I just said, Hey, Mariah, like, how are you feeling about this? And she said, I think that the moment that it ends, we know there's just going to be, it's going to be a blowout. She's like, I'm throwing a party. And then I talked to um, Allie that owns the brand new lab, L-A-B-B. Yeah. L-A-B-B. Yep. Oh, L-A-B-B. It's, uh, oh gosh, what does it stand for? Lash Aesthetic Brow Bar. Yeah. She's formerly with, yeah, with uh, the Face Face Foundry. Foundry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I asked her the same question today and she said, no, we're, we're going to be throwing wicked parties. Like we're going to have a blowout. So I think once it breaks and it becomes um, safe, hopefully there'll be a huge uptick. You just don't know. Like I think the five minute COVID test could totally change events. That could be very interesting at home testing. There could be something to that. Yeah. I'm, I really don't know, but I no, I, I think you're that we're making strides. I hope we are. 
Yeah, no, I think you're onto something. Particularly, I was just talking to someone today and, you know, she had a, we'll call it the COVID scare and we're all having friends and loved ones and people with the COVID scare and you feel like you're not well and then you go and you take your test and then you get your results in four to, you know, six days. Well, that's a long time if you're a college student and you have to quarantine from your roommates and you're staying in an Airbnb. Mm. The long and short of it is, it is kind of frustrating that for business owners, if you had testing and it was quick, just like, you know, these gopher football teams, they're able to get tested and decide if they're going to play today. It just seems like there's not equity in what these plans are, what these protocols, protocols are. You know, you could probably have a wedding if you were able to do temperature and checks and, you know, staff and guests, and then you'd be reviving a whole industry that's pretty much just been stuck. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, fingers crossed that something like that will happen. I I don't know that we have um, anyone that's really lobbying for like, you know, live events right now. I, if they are, they're maybe not loud enough. <laughs> and here I'm sitting on the sidelines saying this. Well, it is an interesting quandary because I think uh, Dana Frank with First Avenue has done a lot with artists and musicians, but it's hard to line up the sadness of industries that are being decimated, right? It's restaurants, it's the live music and venues, it's entertainment, it's the wedding industry, it's uh, meeting and event planners, like the list just goes on and on and on. And at some point, it's hard to know how to prioritize all that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when you are planning, like, do you normally do a budget? Are you planning a budget or a PNL for next year? Or are you, what are you doing? Boy, uh, we're rolling with it right now. <laughs> I wish that I could say that we could plan. I did make a lot of plans, uh, March, April, May, and that, those were hilarious. <laughs> so looking back on them, you know, we're staying in touch with the clients that we have and we're checking in with them just to see how they are. And I'm hopeful that the, we have, we see the same clients year after year, uh, quite a few of them, you know, galas happen typically every year on the same weekend. And, and we're hoping that we'll see them come back or if we can help them in the meantime, we've done some virtual um, design, you know, so they can throw those parties online. And then I guess, you know, we've, we've just never had this issue before. We've always had a waiting list. Um, we've never reached out. We've never done any marketing. And so, yeah, I am, I, this is new territory for me and I want to make sure that I'm doing right by the people that work for me. That's really key is like, you know, so we're going to start reaching out. We're going to start talking to other experiential designers, uh, and this is all new. This is all new for me. And I've never done that before. I'm going to need help with that to know how to do it in a, an appropriate and a smart way. How do you get that help? Like, are you going to reach out to friends? Are you? I'm going like... to talk to you. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, we talk a lot to other business owners and I think that that can be very helpful, but in the space of sales, it's, I think it's going to be talking to a couple of key people that I know that were just recently laid off in sales positions and understanding like we have the relationships with existing clients and word of mouth. How do we get relationships with people that are, um, that we've never met before that don't know we exist. And then I think that we can start looking at 
putting our names in directories for installation artists. We have never done anything like that before. And I'm finding out that <laughs> the question of how did that person ever get that job? That was fantastic. I'd like that job. It's, it comes down to being in directories and talking to the right people. And we just haven't done that. Oh, I think I have a good lead for you. So oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, uh, we will talk offline here. Well, you've done beautiful work. Uh, let's kind of end on a positive note. If you could share with me a couple installations that you were super proud of and you just felt like really represented the work that you guys do. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, we created a installation at the Galleria. We had a rotating uh, installation there for a while. And it was 200,000 gold jumbo paper clips. And we created kind of a, a waterfall look to that. And so when you looked down the hallway, it was just this gold kind of mist. And as you got closer, it was like, oh, gosh, those are, those are paper clips. So that was pretty fun. Avant Garden has always been a really fun one. And I'll always remember the year that uh, Todd Pinzuti, the, the producer of the event at the time, had turned their parking ramp into the space, which was incredible and so, like, so smart. And so we did a um, flaking tape, which is a plastic, a non-adhesive kind of ribbon that is intended to mark like um, boundaries and like uh, hazards and stuff outside. So we actually are one of the people that buy the most flagging tape in the United States. <laughs> so we stretched that all across the parking lot and they actually make a few colors that are UV sensitive. So they were able to light it in a way where it looked like neon and that was really fun. That sounds um, really cool. We've had a lot of fun, you know, like our clients have really ranged and they've been so cool. Regis had us make these huge, well, we got to make these huge foam hairdos for like wigs, you know, so like Marie Antoinette or huge mohawks or bouffants. And that was just such a riot. So that sounds really cool. Where can people see examples of your work or the best place to see examples of your work? Well, please look at our website. We actually are putting up a new one right now and the front page is there. I'm so excited about it. That's girlfridaycreative.com. And then of course, Instagram, you know, we really, Instagram is really our jam and that's what we designed for is our, our clients having those Instagrammable moments and we love Instagram. So it's a great portfolio, but it's also a really great way for us to understand what people get excited about so we can better serve our clients. We're kind of using it both in a way to show off share the sneak peeks that our clients can share and get people excited about what's happening. And then also just kind of as a really easy way to see what the market is excited about and what hits and what doesn't. All right. Well, we will look for you on Instagram and I appreciate you being our guest on Makers of Minnesota. Thanks for having me. 